Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Homemade Ops. Today we have a really great topic for you. It's kind of continuing what we talked about on Monday, which is avoiding financial harm and some really great tactics to help you to protect you and your money. Alright, so let's start off today with a quick what did we watch this weekend and we're going to do a fun little three part so we'll talk about this episode and the next two of a series that we and most of America love which is Indiana Jones. Love Indiana Jones. Once again still on the old movies because we're, we're talking about what Netflix is feeding us. You know, they're, they're saying, you would love this. We're like, yeah, I do. I've seen that, you know, a million times, but I still love it. So we let's start with episode or movie one, which is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Fantastic movie. We we rewatched it not that long ago, and it was just fun. I feel like Hollywood doesn't make fun movies like that anymore. We miss the entertaining ones. I mean, there's like Hollywood makes some fun movies. Like the Marvels are fun. Let's let's be honest. Yeah, that's true. Those are fun. So the Marvels are fun. They're enjoyable. So I would say they have some sort of adventurous feel, like Indiana Jones. But the problem with Marvel is you have to be invested for forty movies. So that's true. Also, (laughs) well, Indiana Jones, it's hey. Each movie is episodic. It has its own storyline. You can jump into the second one, the third one, the first one. The fourth one sucks, so we don't talk about that one. (laughs) Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls is horrible. But the other ones, uh, episodes one through three, are just fantastic. They're enjoyable. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's different. You don't have to be as engaged compared to the Marvels. Yeah, and those are my favorite kinds of movies. Like one of my favorite movie series too is the Mission Impossible series. We'll have to talk about that one on future future oh, yeah. episodes because I love all of them. That one's very episodic as well. Yeah, it's each one is its own story, its own thing. Yeah, and you can watch it just for fun. And so, you know, watch each one by itself, like you said. And I love those movies because they're just fun. And so Hollywood is missing. It's just fun taste or a lot of times they still do it but i love movies like that and i wish i'd do more of them so when it comes to hollywood it's uh i definitely love some of the deep drama like when hollywood has something important to say some of those movies can be very good like it's uh, some of those major award winners uh, whiplash is the latest amazing movie that came out. we'll talk about that one later that movie is one of my favorites it is so so good but uh, when it comes to movies like uh, indiana jones Sometimes sometimes Hollywood takes itself too seriously where you can't really have a blend. You'll see there you'll just see just a stockpile, a dump of kind of propaganda, not saying it's good or bad, but their own propaganda of what they believe rather than just trying to entertain. And sometimes you need both, you know? Sometimes you need one and the other versus just one or the other. And you know that's why I love Tom Cruise. Because I feel like he's just <laughs> out there to enter all his movies are so fun. So Yeah, I I love the fun, entertaining movies. So now we're going to talk about something not so fun and entertaining. Oh, boy. But that's how to avoid getting screwed or harmed financially. So we talked about this on Monday's episode. And and so last time we talked about how there are bad things that can and will happen to you, both by accident and then also from people who want to harm you. So what do we do about it? And we talked about having proper expectations of others and kind of of the world where not every, I'm, I'm an optimist, right? I don't think everybody's a bad person. I think everybody has good things inside of them. But you can also be realistic thinking that sometimes mm-hmm. even by accident, bad things will happen to you. It's just kind of the way of life. And yeah. I don't think people intend it a lot of times. And sometimes they do. Um, but we all have this kind of nature in us also that's a little bit selfish. And a lot of times that hurts other people. And so that's something we have to watch out for. And just like when you're driving, 
You know, it's really... <laughs> <laughs> That's a good... Yes. <laughs> it's a good example. When you're driving, you know, you're driving down the road and someone hits you, they could be in the wrong as much as they want but you're still damaged. So that's why they teach defensive driving, teaching you that there's other people on the road who aren't paying attention or are doing dumb things. You've got to protect yourself. I think it's the same financially. You have to protect yourself. So our tip for today, besides number one, of course, for Monday was having proper expectations of others and of the world. Our tip today, number two, is to be defensive of yourself. This is a topic I'm really passionate about and have a lot of really great stories on, so I've been excited to talk about it today. So we'll bust through a couple little tips to do that. Number one is don't assume. So whenever you're doing a financial transaction or involved in any sort of contract or anything, unless it's in writing, very clearly, don't assume it's true or will happen. I sometimes struggle with this because I, I like being friendly and sometimes it can be uncomfortable to be like, you need to please clarify that and I need to be sure that you're doing this. It's very much easier to be like, yeah, yeah, I trust you. No worries. You've got it. But whenever you're entering a financial situation or a contract, you want to be sure that everything's spelled out clearly and that's going to benefit the relationship too because that prevents any misunderstandings. And a lot of times I find that I can be uncomfortable in situations where I don't really understand. For example, with medical, I don't have a medical background. So sometimes I go to the doctor, I don't know what questions to ask, or I'm kind of nervous to ask questions because I feel like I'm out of my element. So I think it's really important to recognize when you feel out of your element, and maybe if you don't have a financial background, you'll feel kind of lost or feel like I don't no, maybe maybe you're ta- getting an investing contract and you're like, well, this isn't really my world. I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm just going to kind of trust the other party. I'm not going to ask questions. I don't want to look dumb. No, don't assume. Don't be afraid to look dumb. Ask questions and be sure stuff is in writing. You know, and this is, I like that point because this is where most people get into major, major problems. Because, I mean, you look at 2008. I mean, the biggest problem, like we have, uh, we're not going to get political at all, but politicians argue left and right saying, oh no, it's the bank's fault. And then they say, oh no, it's the people's fault. Oh no, it's something else's fault. Oh, it's someone else's fault. And there's just a lot of this going around because that's how politics are. But here's the real life answer and the true answer. It's kind of everyone's fault. I mean, in that situation, there's people taking out loans for homes that they shouldn't have. And then also banks took it advantage of that. They took advantage of people in that regard. So the real, moving away from politics, the real world answer is usually a lot of these things are true. More than one thing can be true at once. But of course, to polarize people, politicians have to separate people into different chunks that believe one thing versus another rather than a blend of a lot of truths. So when you assume things, you usually put yourself into the camps of those particular groups. And this can harm you because if you don't know all the terms, if you don't know all the different resources or all the different truths, then you can end up being screwed. Even if you're not an expert on something, you should at least know the process. So if you don't know the process of contracts, learn how they kind of work. Learn what a contract is. You don't have to be an expert on the material. You don't have to study for hours and hours and hours like a lawyer or a or a, some other person who drafts up that contract. But you should at least know how the process generally flows so you don't get hurt and taken advantage of. It's the idea of asking questions. So ask for references before you work with someone. Clarify everything in a contract. And ask, say, so this means X, Y, and Z. We talked about 
uh, we had an episode with Phil, our mortgage broker, and I sat on the phone with him for over an hour asking questions about our mortgage contract. What does this mean? What is this? That's the only way you learn, and people are willing to give you that information, and if they're not, then they could be trying to harm you, so watch out for that. <laughs> so tip number two is going to be to hold on to your money until someone fulfills their commitment. Don't just assume because you have a contract it will happen. So I once uh, heard about a guy um, who went to small claims court, and he had paid, I think it was $10,000 for, it was either concrete work or basement work. And the person just took the money and ran off. They just, they didn't do it. So it's important to always watch out and don't assume someone's going to fulfill their contract. It's just a way to protect yourself. So if you have a contract with somebody and they say, it's going to be $5,000 to do this repair or $5,000 for this item, what you can do, a couple ways you can do that is to... Like when prepayments are required, for example, on repair services or anything like that, you can push back and you can offer a prepayment but say, well, I'm only going to pay 10% down and then you finish the work and when I'm satisfied, then I'll do this. And a lot of times maybe someone will do the work but they won't do it up to your par and then they'll disappear. A lot of times prepayments are required for things. So what you can do is say, yes, I will offer prepayment to show goodwill that you can come, you can buy all the supplies, you can do the service, but maybe I'm only going to pay 10% down. And remember, nobody likes that. So you may have to push back and say, no, I'm not going to fully pay you for everything or I'm not going to pay you half of everything right now until you show that some of the work is done and that I'm satisfied with it. And be sure to follow through. If you pay somebody for a service or a product, don't make that final payment or don't let them go until you've inspected everything and are happy with it. So watch out and be the person that holds on to their money because you don't want to be someone where they run away with your $10,000. And what can you do? They go to small claims court, but how are they going to find the guy? Is that guy going to give them the money? No. Even if you are legally have a legal contract or you have something where, yes, that money is owed to you, you're in the right, it doesn't mean that people will pay. Which, that brings me to my next point which is kind of an interesting one. So number three is demand to be the person who gets paid. This is, I, I like to think about a little bit more from the business side. So a lot of people don't know that one of the, pretty much the number one reason that small businesses go out of business is because they run out of cash. Most people think, oh, they don't have that great of an idea or they couldn't get enough sales or they didn't have a good enough team. No, and they could be a profitable company, but they run out of cash. Let me give you an example. So if you're a company and you have a vendor, and so, or say you, you're selling gloves and your customers have terms with you. So what that means is they say, yeah, I'm gonna buy gloves and I'll pay you in 30 days. Very, very, very common in the business world. Most people have what are called terms and you'll send them an invoice and then they'll pay it when it's due. What if your vendor, so the person who provided you the gloves that or the materials for the gloves says, you need to pay me in 10 days. All of a sudden, you're paying for the materials and the supplies, and you don't have any income from the revenue. So you're running out of cash. Then you have to get a line of credit. You have to borrow money. You have to get investors. Most small businesses can't manage their cash. So I always tell my team at work that we have got to be the company that gets paid. So a lot of times when companies are in difficult financial situations, you'll find even they'll have terms, but a lot of people pay late. And you're not supposed to, but people do. They just pay late. And when they get into difficult cash situations, I've seen companies where they stretch you, is what it's called, where, yes, I have 30-day terms from you, but I'm going to pay you on 45. And then if they're still kind of making payments, it kind of depends how tough you are. 
And I've seen companies where, like with even my own company, I know what companies absolutely have to be paid get paid because if you don't pay them, the day after it's due, they're calling you, they're emailing you, they're blowing you up. You know that you have to pay them. So you want to be the kind of person, whether in your business or just in general in your life, where you don't tolerate poor financial behavior from others. So if someone doesn't fulfill their obligation or they're running late on something, you don't have to be rude or unkind, but it's the idea of, look, I know um, that I'm someone, I'm gonna follow up, I'm gonna call you, I'm gonna be very clear on expectations and I'm gonna make sure this happens. So it's really important to be the kind of person that expects proper financial behavior and you demand it in your life. And you have to have a little bit more of a demanding personality, but I think it's really important to protect yourself to not be someone that gets pushed over or bullied. Now this is this is important because many people kind of have the perspective or idea that I just I don't want to be a nuisance. Oh, they're just going through struggling times. Yes, but guess what? If you're too laxed on them, then you're going to be the one who's going to be having financial issues in times because, so let me share a quick little story. And it's somebody who's close to me, so I don't want to say names or anything like that. But um, this individual was operating a business and they had the mindset, oh, pay me when you can. Pay me when you can and uh, and we'll just uh, and pay me what's fair, you know, that kind of thing. And people would literally come in. And a lot of people were honest. They would come in and say, I can't pay right now, but I'll pay you in like a month. Some would come in on time. Some would not. But because this person was not uh, very forefront or they weren't very in this in the, this term here, they weren't very demanding with those payments. They almost went out of business. They almost went out of business and it took somebody else who I know (laughs) to go in there and fix that business up and say, no, we got to have structure. We got to have payments. You can't just come in here and pay and say, oh, uh, let's, uh, I'll just give you 200 bucks for the service. It's like, no, 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 no. This costs uh, 200 bucks for me to actually operate on you. It has to, (laughs) $400 is actually what you have to pay. So just uh, keep this in mind. If you, you can literally hurt your family and also you can hurt uh, you can also hurt yourself, your business, if you have the very passive mindset. Now, you you don't want to be rude like Kimberly was saying. You definitely, and sometimes it is good to have some charity. If somebody is struggling, say, okay, we'll be able to delay this for a month. We see you're having some issues, but draw the line there. Because if you don't, they're going to abuse you again and again and again until you're now the one hurting. A lot of times it's kind of like a kid. Say, okay, fine, I'll let you stay up past your bedtime, 10 yeah. minutes, and then they, they're trying to see how far they can push you a lot of times. So like you said, it, you, and there's nothing, I don't think there's something rude about holding people to their agreements. You know, I think there's rude ways to do it. I think you do it kind and say, you know, I let's see what we can do. I'll work with you, but we have this agreement. This needs to be, this needs to be respected. I think it's respecting yourself by holding people to those agreements. So number four is a funny one that's a pretty specific tip. But it's being comfortable with silence or uncomfortable situations. A lot of times financial discussions with other people can be sort of uncomfortable. High tension sometimes too. Yeah, even kind of like what we were talking about where it's easier just to kind of give in or to be amicable just because you don't want to deal with it. So I have a great example Uh, from my own life. It doesn't have to do with finances, but it's a great tip that I learned in college. So when I started dating Todd, I really liked him. And 
I love to talk and I'm a pretty talkative person. And I was talking to my roommates and we got out a couple times like, how do I get them to kiss me? What do I do? And they're like, well, Kimberly, your problem is that they get to the porch or whatever and you just talk too much and they don't have a chance. And I was like, oh my gosh, I do. <laughs> when you dominate the scenario that, never mind. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I would talk too much and he never had the opportunity. And I was like, wait a minute. So then we had this date and I'd driven really far to meet him because he was living kind of far away at the time. Like, I am not leaving without getting that kiss from him tonight. So he walked me out to the car and I just told myself, we got in the situation, it's awkward by the car. There's no talking. I'm like, normally I would just start talking to try and ease the awkwardness and my nervousness. And I'm like, I'm just going to count to five in my head and not talk for five seconds. And it worked. It was amazing. Super uncomfortable for me, but it worked. Amazing what can happen when you just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying her. I'm saying people in general. <laughs> no, I'm totally teasing. I'm totally yeah, teasing. <laughs> it's such a funny example. And I love that story. I just think it's so fun. But the idea is that I, I'm at least someone who uncomfortable situations I don't love, want to talk my way out of it, want to make people feel good. And so it's important to, when you're in a difficult or tense financial conversation, don't be afraid to just wait. And a lot of times, and especially in a difficult negotiation situation, you can create pressure on someone by maybe asking a question or making a comment and then waiting for them to respond. Not worrying if being, I guess, being comfortable with tension. And being okay with that. It's kind of like having, you know, uh, it's, I'm trying, we want to keep this all G-rated, right? It's kind of like having the birds and the bees conversation. Sometimes finances can feel like that. <laughs> it's just like you have a kid and you're like, I'll get to it. Like, I don't want to talk about it right now. Let's, it's, they're not old enough yet. Ah! <laughs> like, well, sometimes finances can be like that where it's, oh, I have to talk about having them pay. I have a friend here. Sometimes you just have to jump into it. And honestly, breaking the ice is a hard skill to develop. But if you can practice that over and over again, you can really get into really important topics quickly without having to beat around the bush, saving you and the other party time and money. So just jump right on in sometimes. And you don't want to go in there and say, hey, where's my money? Yeah, <laughs> then you start sounding like a mafia member or something like that. But rather what you want to do is you want to go over and say, hey, uh, so let's uh, let's have a conversation here. You want to develop a safe zone. In fact, we actually had a great episode of talking about this very thing with McLean Taylor. So feel free to jump onto that uh, podcast. We discuss how to have tough conversations. But this is one of those. Uh, this is one of those things where, hey, if you have if you have to have a tough conversation, you want to develop a safe zone where you can have that conversation by knowing that the party with you is safe, and then you can have these deep conversations. Hey, so I just wanted. So here's an example. Hey, so um, you and I, we've uh, we've been engaging in business for a long time, and I really like our business relationship here. We've been developing a lot of different um, a lot of different products together, and I think that I want to, I want to pursue this relationship because I think it's beneficial to both of us. With that said, there's been some things that I think I would like to discuss with you regarding finances. Are you open to having this conversation right now? Boom. So now. If you do that, it's like, okay, they want to engage in this uh, business relationship with me or transactional. And you can apply this to your personal life. This isn't just with business. We're talking, this is in fact about your personal life, what we're discussing here. So when you're talking with 
any person that you're dealing with some sort of transaction with, you want to make sure that you use these same tactics and tips, even in just your relationships too, <laughs> you can use these things. And then you'll be able to have those tough conversations so you don't have those weird, awkward moments. So you can think about it, an example from maybe your everyday life is somebody comes over to work on a service in your house. Maybe they came to repair your floors. You had some uneven floorboards or something. And they do the job and you go up there and maybe you'd agreed on $500. We'll just make up a number to do this repair work. And you go up there and it's just not maybe a great work, you know, or maybe an area that is not to your par. So it's a lot easier to just be like, okay, thanks, here's your money, or, you know, we're good to go. But maybe you can have you can have a professional, productive conversation where you say, hey, you know, thank you so much. I see there's a lot of really great work here. I'm I'm still thinking that this isn't really up to where I would expected it to be. Could you maybe work on this area? And that would be I really appreciate that. So just not being being one to speak up for yourself. Or you've asked a question like, hey, you know, do you do you think this is finished and that this is finalized and up to standard? Or, you know, kind of keeping it keeping it professional, but being willing to stand up for your interests. So we had an example of this, Kimberly and I, just in the last year, and it's been going this long. <laughs> We've been having water heater issues. So in a water heater, for those who don't know how they work, you have, um, and this is the one, the old, you know, the gas powered uh, water heater. So it's actually using fire to heat it up rather than electricity. I know a lot of homes are using the cool new ones that don't use gas, and we might have to switch to one of those eventually, especially, especially after these events. Well, when it comes to your water heater, uh, there's a lot of different pressure regulations because you want to make sure that the water heater doesn't blow up with so much pressure. So you have something called a PRV that controls the pressure coming into the home. And then you also have the water heater itself. And then you have another pressure valve. I forgot the name of it. It's like TMZPC. I don't know what it is, whatever. But it's basically a on the water heater itself. As the water's boiling, the pressure increases inside of the inside of the tank. And so if it goes above a certain point, water starts to leak out of it. Well, we've been having issues with that where its pressure has been building in our water heater and uh, its uh, water has been leaking out of it multiple times. So we've been contacting this our plumber multiple times because we've been having issues with this thing. They come over here, make an adjustment, they go away, problem still stays. They come back, make an adjustment, problem still there. And we've done this like six or seven times. And we still have a good relationship with the guy. Yeah. And we're not like, oh, you didn't fix it. We're just like, hey, we're still seeing the issue though. Instead of just like, oh, just leave it. It's fine. Or getting mad at them. You guys have done this and this and this and this is bad. You haven't solved it. it, was, it the problem is the plumbers don't even know what the problem is. <laughs> we now know what the problem is. And it's totally unrelated to PRV, pressure outside the home and all that kind of stuff. And hopefully we'll be able to get it fixed soon. <laughs> but the, um, but that conversation that we had with them is we, we, so we had a goal and the goal was we need this problem fixed and we want to make sure our goals align with them as well. So that way they actually want to fix the problem. Otherwise we're not going to get anything fixed. You will have very sour tensions and bad relationships with them. So how we approached the conversation was, Hey, so we noticed we've been still having some challenges here and it's uh, we know you guys are doing a tremendous job. You've worked on so many homes. Your reputation definitely precedes you. You've been very on time. Thank you so much for all of those. You've been on call. Uh, we know you guys are so good. So we, it's unfortunately, we just don't have the skill sets that you have in finding out what this problem is. So if, so is there any way that you can come back here and check your work so we can figure out what this issue is? So that way we're both happy. 
And at that point, you're now saying, hey, we don't hate you. You're not bad. Also that you guys are skillful and that we're not challenging your reputation. And at that point, they're like, well, yeah, I do want to check my work because I want to make sure that uh, that we are living up to that standard that you are telling us that we have set for ourselves. And at that point, they have actually come back several times without being paid because the problem's still there and they want to live up to their reputation. So I think it's that idea of having a standard and not being afraid to defend that standard professionally, politely, but looking out for your interests, which can a lot of times be hard to do in financial conversations because it's intimidating. Maybe you don't exactly know what's going on or you have to ask a lot of questions. But our main message today is don't be afraid to stand up for yourself and be defensive of yourself. So quick review of our be defensive of yourself tips for today is number one, don't assume. Unless something's in writing or clearly, don't assume it's true what happened. And even if you're in the right, people still a lot of times behave poorly, even if you have a contract or an agreement. Number two is to hold on to your money until someone fulfills their commitment. So don't just assume because you have a contract it will happen. Be sure to protect that money as much as you can. You can do prepayments and things like that, but just depending on the situation, try and limit that as much as possible and hold on to that cash. And then number three, demand to be the person who gets paid. And that really just applies to making sure that you know that you're the kind of person who people respect financially. You're not someone who gets run over who can get hurt easy. And then number four is to be comfortable with silence and uncomfortable situations. Don't be afraid to you know, be in an uncomfortable situation, have that tension and stand up for yourself, which can be difficult. Now, when you apply these tactics, they can be extremely beneficial to you because now you're not being screwed or hosed so many times now. You wanna make sure that you defend yourself. Now, there is a bad way to defend yourself. And that's when you get so defensive where you're needlessly defensive, where now you're just causing bad tensions and bad relationships. Um, we've actually had some friendships in the past where uh, we were doing some business dealings with one person and then a spouse got involved that had uh, no relation to any of the transaction at all, but they pretty much ruined the relationship, the business relationship. And the reason why is because they became needlessly defensive and it caused a lot of bad rifts between the actual business transaction. And so there are good ways to be defensive. There are bad ways. Follow the steps that Kimberly laid out, and when you are defensive, make sure you try to sustain the relationship. That's the goal. And that, if you sustain that relationship using these tactics that Kimberly was mentioning, then you'll be able to res resolve the issue and also maintain the relationship. Remember that money can be, money is an emotional topic for a lot of people. And so it's important to keep it about the numbers, keep it professional, defend yourself and your interests while being polite, and being professional, and you'll be able to have a lot more success in your life. So thanks for listening to this episode today. We hope you found it helpful. If you have any thoughts on this topic, we'd love to hear it or any questions. So be sure to reach out to us on social media. We're on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And as well as you can also leave a comment on the podcast, and we'd love to cover your ideas on a future episode. Thanks so much. The information shared on our show is for educational purposes only and is not intended to be advice. Reach out to a professional for your specific situation.